Hello, everyone. I'm Dana Stewart Bullock, and this is Transformational Therapeutics. As we approach our 40th episode, I've decided to do a recap of the model paradigm philosophy of transformational therapeutics. With Rebecca's help, I'm going to riff on different subjects and how anyone can enter this model from where they are and access it on whatever level suits them. So welcome. Today, we are doing a bit of a, like a pause, right? Well, I I see it more as a recap and a riff. Mm. We've been at this a while, and I just think it's time to recap and pull everything together. It's been a lot of information and a lot of depth, and I'd just like to reiterate for people the principles and how to enter the model because everybody's going to enter from a different place. Mm. And so different ways of entering basically and seeing how this model can be used. Yes, I love that. I love everyone is going to be entering this at a different place. That's such a beautiful representation of all personal, spiritual, wellness, development. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. So in general... The model itself is, I see it as a tool for understanding and dealing within myself, within yourself, within your physiology. And the model itself gives people a way of seeing differently and changing their perception because changing your perception, how you see, is what actually changes your physiology. I love that statement so much. And I feel like, I wonder, do you have an analogy for that? Something like the power of when we see something differently... It changes our physiology. I had a friend once who um, talked about language. I've talked about this before, that people say that you change your language, change what you're saying. And I've done that. It, it hasn't changed my physiology. And I know in the brain that's, that the language centers are different from the perceptual centers. Ooh. And the perceptual centers are directly connected to your limbic system into your sort of deep old brain. And your limbic system is... My limbic system is the area that is primitive in our brain. It's where our emotions reside. What I'm saying is that I'm saying the language changes the perception, and that's how it changes the physiology. Mm. So it really, for me, comes down to language. But it has to be symbolic language, because straight language doesn't really change your perception. Right. If I just say, like, oh, I, I don't, just say I love you to yourself all the time. And yeah. if you don't believe it, seem to work. <laughs> yeah. like, all right, I love you. Cool. <laughs> now let's move on. <laughs> I don't feel any different. Exactly. In fact, I might even feel a reaffirmation of that disbelief if I don't believe that. Exactly. That's what I've experienced. And symbolic language is we all have it. It's ancient. It comes in many forms. You know, we use metaphors. We see things symbolically. One of the examples I've used is you know, you look at a painting or a piece of artwork, that's a symbolic language and that changes you. Whereas if I tell you yourself, you love yourself, it doesn't really change you. Right. But if you showed me something that could change my perspective to see myself differently, that might open up the doorway for that language to eventually land. That if I saw it differently, if I saw the world differently, if I saw the, my belief about myself, if I didn't love myself differently, then that is the way to change the physiology. And people have said repeatedly to me, change your story. 
It's like, okay, how do I do that? <laughs> right. By seeing it differently. Changing but but my story is really old and it's really pre-verbal. It's a really ancient part of my brain. So for me, because I'm a, a physical therapist and I'm so interested in function, if I don't change the actual function, it doesn't work for me. And the physiology is where the function resides. Mm. So if the physiology doesn't change, then you're not going to change. Mm -hmm. And that's where symbolic language comes in. That's where um, understanding the meaning of the language you use, the physical language you use, the language other people use, that's where you get a deeper understanding. And that then changes your wiring. And we did a couple of podcasts on fascia and the understanding of how the fascia, the receptors, the neurological receptors in the fascia also impact your sense of self is really important. So that's another language and another approach which can be addressed through your physical form, through forms of healing. I like to address any dysfunction from every angle that I possibly can. So, for example, if someone came in with a knee injury, you could focus on it physically within the tissues. Right. You could focus on it within the symbolic language of what the knee represents. Right. How else could you look at it? Talk about why it happened, when it happened. I talked about my mentor whose question was always, like, for instance, he had a, a patient with pneumonia. And his first question would be, why was it that lung? Why was it that lobe? Why was it at that time? Mm. Because the day before, the patient didn't have pneumonia. So you start asking why questions in terms of the physiology. You could even ask why the lungs. What do the lungs represent in different models? I know in, in acupuncture, lungs are where grief resides. It has to do with breathing. It has to do with, uh, it's just on so many levels, but asking the different questions. And you'll know that the question has hit a chord when you feel a change in your physiology. So I use my physiology as a gauge. And you know, you know, when you meet somebody and you just like are, fall in love with them or you can't stand them, that's your physiology telling you, giving you, we talk about gut reactions. That's a gut reaction, but our gut is literally physiology. That's a great analogy. That's an experience we all know. Whether you consider yourself a you know, intuitive person or not, we all know what it feels like to meet someone that you just don't jive with. Right. Or one that you instantly click with. Right. Exactly. This system, this model, this paradigm of transformational therapeutics, it's a three-dimensional holographic model. And I want people to be able to enter through any system into it using the language principle, that the language has meaning, that it's symbolic language, however you see it. So you could enter through a psychological entry. We talked about Candy Pert and the psychology of it. You could enter through acupuncture, through manipulation, through massage, through just about any level you can enter in and when you start looking at the subject as language itself that will take you somewhere mm. and then the basis of this whole model is is really about power and it's about empowering us as beings and that power is reflected in our physiology how so well the word power simply means to be able so if you came to me with a bum knee that knee would have lost its ability on a tissue level. So that knee area, or you yourself in terms of ambulating and walking and gait, have lost some sort of power. If you come in with some psychological problem or grief or just about anything, that's an indication that your ability in that arena, just the word problem, is not working. Mm. 
is dysfunctional on some level. Right. You could come in with a spiritual problem. I mean, any, I remember I once had a mentor and she said, they're not, not problems, they're projects. Mm. And that particular language did have an impact on my physiology. Yes. So if I looked at something instead of it being a problem and saying, oh, here's a project, it changes how I approach it. Absolutely. Because that that language is the shift in perspective. Right. It's seeing this issue as a project, which we know that a project is something that you're working on, that you're building, that you're learning about, right. that you're constructing. A problem sounds like it's something bad that needs to be fixed. And that takes me to the first thing to do is to actually redefine the problem. And one way of doing it is calling it a project. So it gives you a new way to see it. It changes your perception. It then changes your physiology. It changes your brain. And it will also change the physiology in your fascia Yeah. just by shifting the language of how you're seeing it. I love that so much because instantly to me, when I think of a project, I think of like an art project or transforming a bathroom into an outdated something into something that feels really wonderful when you go in. So to me... So a project has more of a creative force to it than a problem. Yeah. And immediately I think of an outcome that is desirable. As opposed to I'm thinking, when I think of a problem, I'm thinking about a negative outcome that I want to avoid. So it kind of right away, it shifts. And this is just me personally. I don't know about anyone else. But to me, that instantly shifts my focus to what is possible rather than what I don't want to happen, you know. And then the other thing that I talked about in one of these podcasts was I see everything as a force. So it's actually, if you just think about the force of a problem is very different from the force of a project. Mm -hmm. Exactly. If you think about carrying forces rather than being in an emotion, you could, for instance, say, I'm carrying the force of grief or I'm carrying the force of anger rather than I'm really sad, I'm really angry. And in restating it like that, restating it in a way that then gives you other options. Mm. So in carrying the force of, it separates the essence of you from the actual thing. Right. the actual emotion and gives you a separation and therefore an ability to see it differently. Absolutely. And which, that has a perceptual impact. Right. Which then in turn gives you power with more choice available to you. I know we did cover choice during one of these episodes. And I just love that when you don't see something differently, a lot of the times we just believe that we have only one choice or we have no choice at all. That's very powerless. But then when you expand your perspective through all of these things that you've just mentioned, you open up the possibility for more choices, which then you have power in deciding which way you want to go. And there's more options available to you. And the episode about context was really funny where that kid talked about, I was carrying the force of anger. That changes the internal feedback loop between you and that anger. It changes how you see the anger. It changes how you address the anger. It changes how the anger carries you, if there is such a thing. In terms of teaching, and I am a teacher, I see everything and everyone as a teaching or a teacher. But it also addresses the arena of parenting and the arena of loving, just philosophically. We have our own feedback mechanisms inside of us, which I've talked about, and it's the physiological feedback mechanism to the brain, to the sense of self. In my history, watching mentors of mine, 
in particular, my job was always to help people assist to heal their own feedback loops. Whereas I watched colleagues of mine actually reinforce loop between the colleague and the patient Mm. instead of the internal loop within the patient. Yes. And that's just philosophically something to look at when you think about parenting. Are you parenting to reinforce positive feedback loops within your child? Or are you parenting to keep the feedback loop between you and your child going? Right. Creating independency or codependency. Exactly. Exactly. And it's the same thing with teaching. Yes. I mean, my job is to give you the skills and empower you to go off and use the skills, not to keep you tied to me right. as a student. Exactly. And to help you reach your potential, people will come to me and say, you know, fix my back, fix this. And the whole point is to help you reach your potential, not for me to fix anything. Mm-hmm. In this paradigm of transformational therapeutics, one starts where one is, and then expands from there. So it doesn't matter where you are. You're just expanding from where you start. And you can gain entry via one system and then expand so that other systems are assisting and then build the system into a working whole. Okay, so what what does that mean? Well, the word whole means when individual systems all work together in community. So you have different systems in your body. You have the fascial system, the circulatory system, the neurological system, the digestive system. That's just an example of it's a multi-system complex being you are. And so you may enter that system via a physical injury, a psychological injury, but it will impact all the other systems. So as you start healing one, the others will also be transformed. Because the point is to have all of the systems working together for health. And we as a culture tend to divide them up. Right. My stomach hurts. I, you know, my leg hurts on a special diet for this. But to really look at the whole community, the community of all the different systems working together is what equals health. Yes. Because oftentimes, I know back in my massage therapy days, oftentimes the muscle that hurt wasn't necessarily the cause. And so then I would be working on an opposite muscle than the one that the client walked in complaining about. And they'd say, that one doesn't even bother me. Don't go there. And I'd say, I would explain that we address the whole, whole thing, but that's oftentimes there are areas that aren't necessarily talking in the way that we are interpreting it that have a lot of the answers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There was a man named Benoit Mandelbrot, who was a mathematician. In 1975, he made a discovery and he labeled it fractals. And fractals became familiar to people through patterns made by computers. And in a fractal system, the macro is reproduced in the micro. So for instance, And this started as a mathematical model, but it now applies sort of across the board. It also applies to the physical form. So these are complex systems. For instance, as Mandelbrot wrote, he said, clouds are not spheres, mountains are not cones, coastlines are not circles, and bark is not smooth. And so when you look on a computer, it's, well, nowadays it's it's advanced a lot more, but back then it was sort of a two-dimensional picture. So basically what I'm trying to say is that in the larger picture, 
as you divide it up mathematically, but if you just do it visually, it's like if you take a head of broccoli, each of the little heads in it is similar to the larger head. And if you keep going smaller and smaller, it appears in the same form. So fractals are very complex, but I want people to understand that within the larger picture, the smaller picture is a reflection of the larger picture. And that's true in the human form. Mm. In fractals, there's an underlying order to what may look like it's chaotic. Okay. And so there's an underlying order to our bodies and to our physiology. And what happens with an injury is you introduce chaos into that system. It's the same thing that happens with a psychological injury. You're introducing chaos into a system. And healing is really about reintroducing order so that the system works and is functional. Mm. That's just philosophically how I see it. Right. And so if you work on one area, it affects the whole. Absolutely. And, and the other thing about, or the other things about this model is just to take away. Philosophically, I really believe, and that goes right to the fractals, is as within, so without. To know that the physiology never lies. The physiology is telling us something. We may not be able to interpret it. It's really important to know. As far as I know, 47 years of this, I've never seen it lie. I've often had a hard time interpreting it or translating it but it's not lying. It just is. Right. And oftentimes you will know the truth when the physiology changes. Mm. I mean, it's one way to look at it. Which I think is a beautiful way to learn how to build trust within yourself. If you don't trust yourself, you don't trust your instincts, your thoughts, your desires, your choices. And then you start to really lean into that your body never lies. So looking for those cues that, oh, okay, if I do this, then just reaffirming that new, creating a new feedback loop, I suppose, right, exactly. through this model. Exactly. And this is actually a model about meaning, and it gets one out of the personal. So when you're using symbolic language, and it takes the sort of emotional tinge out of the way, so that the emotions may come up, but they are inside of you, and hopefully at some point not being projected onto another person. So each person becomes responsible for their own emotions. And so when that happens, communication happens on a whole nother level. And one of the ways that happens is what we talked about in context. So if I am carrying the force of anger instead of I'm angry, that empowers me on a different level to meet you somewhere if you're carrying whatever emotion you're carrying. Mm -hmm. So we're now going from communication to communion Mm. And communion means a common participation in a mental or emotional experience. Mm. So the whole point of this model is that beings should be able to communicate on a playing field where they're both in the same context and have an understanding. And I think so much misunderstanding comes from, particularly if you look at the world today, everybody's spewing vitriol at each other and everybody's in different camps. And one of the ways to come out of that is is to own what you're carrying and and to be honest with it. For me, it's really important to have emotional honesty. Yes. And one that we're not taught how to do. Right. Right. Nor that it's possible, which is why this model is so helpful. One of the many reasons. It takes you out of the personal and it allows you to meet yourself and another person on a different level where the emotions are not interfering and where you're not in your emotions. You can feel your emotions as they come up and then you can own them. 
it doesn't really then affect the interaction with the other person. And being emotionally honest is, for instance, saying, I'm carrying anger right now, or I feel angry right now, but it's not saying I hate you. It's saying I feel angry. It's not saying I'm angry at you. It's saying I'm feeling anger and the anger is coming up in the presence of you. Yeah. So that's the honesty of it is owning it. I feel this, I feel that. Because without doing this work, we are in front of someone, we feel this force. So we conditionally associate that person with this force Think, but then walk away from the situation saying, that person made me angry. Right. But in taking back our own power and our and developing this emotional honesty, we can then see that, oh, this force was brought up in the presence of this person. It's not the other person that did that to me or created that within me. It's something that I get to own and heal and change. And that's beautiful because then you don't need to wait on the other person to do anything different without you in order to feel a different way if you choose to. And it's beautiful, but it's also really hard. It's extremely hard. (laughs) It's extremely hard, but it's beautiful because it gives you power. And being powerless is hard in a far different way. So just to recap, seeing everything as a force, seeing things symbolically, you know, somebody will walk into the room and be collapsed or be angry, and you will see that energy in them. But that is not them. That is what they're carrying. And to see it in yourself and see it in someone else changes the playing field. Mm. And I just think that's so important. I think that's so important too, because just a moment ago, we were sharing, we were talking about the force that I'm carrying that is brought up within me, and that it's not me. It's just a force that I'm carrying. But it's so important to point out that that's also when you see that in someone else, It doesn't mean that that person is an angry person. That means they're carrying that force within in that moment. Or if they're deflated, oh, that's a deflated person. Know that they're carrying that within. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. 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 I think that's so useful. And I think it's so vital. It's so central to all of this. That you are not the force you are carrying. Right. That if you can take only that away is gold. That is beautiful. And neither are others. As well. And if you can walk away with that knowledge, that is when we can really find the connection on the different level when we stop believing that we are this and they are that. And then we can't connect because of those things when you just see it's all just force or whatever jumps out at you in this language, in this model, then you can find that connection, that communion elsewhere or even through it. So this is a great recap to come in and kind of actually to step back and look at the bigger picture of reminding why we are offering this model. And also to the simplicity of it. It's actually quite simple. Yeah. The principles are very simple. It's not an easy thing to do, right. but the actual simplicity of it is available to anyone. Yes. Simple, not easy. Right. That's- exactly. It's so true. But with simplicity, then simplicity enables you to move through hard things and do hard things because you can just follow the simple steps, turn to the simple tools, develop the skills using the simple instructions. And even though it's so hard, it's still simple enough to do in the midst of really hard things. And to me, that kind of hard is so much better than the alternative of ignoring these things and keep putting band-aids on, keep looking away, keep feeling disconnected and powerless. And that creates so much more hard 
in different ways. We're just used to it, so it may feel more familiar, but this heart is so worth it. And I think also, just to add one more thing, for me, the universe is offering us this. It's not rocket science. We all have a lot of skills already to define and to say what we're seeing in someone and in ourselves. We can look it up online. We can look it in a dictionary for the actual symbolism of the language or a vision. We all have the same physiology pretty much. So we're all walking around in the same vehicles. We're just labeling them differently. But underneath it all, we're pretty much the same. And we all have, to different degrees, the same skills. Right. And potential. Yes. Yeah. I I hear a lot with my clients. Some of my clients will come to me with this notion that they can't relax, that that's not available to them. But when you look at the whole simplicity of this model, that we we do have that physiology within our, our bodies. And that is, that potential is available to us. And and even in that statement, changing the statement from I can't relax to how can I relax? Mm, yes. Because we know that the physiology has that ability. I mean, Candy Pert talked about us being hardwired for bliss. Mm-hmm. We really are physiologically. Right. And so the I can'ts are so deadly. They are. They're just dead stops. Yeah. Complete stops. Right. Wow. Well, thank you, Dana. I think this was really a great step back and almost like a reset so that next week we can dive back in all on the same page, remembering that simple, not necessarily easy. All right. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to subscribe if you haven't already. Leave us a rating and a review. And for any of you who have done that already, we are so grateful. I would like to say that I'm thankful for you tuning in and I would love to hear feedback. If you could email me at transformationaltherapeutics at gmail.com and give me feedback on the podcast, perhaps suggest subjects that you would like me to cover in the future. And when I receive that feedback, I'd love to highlight and publicly thank whoever has sent it to me. I really enjoy sharing this with you. Mm